This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. Today we have the one and only great Olivier Cohn. Hello. And joining us on mute, because he's on a, a side conference of some sort, is Patrick Stapleton. Hi, guys. Also his birthday, so happy birthday, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, just a couple quick, quick announcements. Uh, if you have any questions during the show, make sure you tweet with the hashtag NGAIR, N-G-A-I-R. Our upcoming shows will be next week. We're going to be on location uh, at Robin, uh, the company Robin, with Zach Dunn and Atticus White talking about the Internet of Things with Angular 2. And then uh, February 18th, we're going to be live, another live show, from NGNL, a number of people, including actually uh, some of the people on the show today uh, and others will be on that show. So we're really looking forward to that. For today, we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic, something that I think all of us listening to the show have to deal with uh, on both ends, you know, learning Angular and then teaching it to others. And for that topic, we have two of the best in the business, uh, Pascal Precht, Hello there. And Christoph uh, Bergdorf. Hi there. So first off, guys, uh, for people that might not know who you are, uh, you want to give a kind of introduction to yourself and what you guys do? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, yeah, my name is Pascal. I'm uh, a software engineer and trainer at ThoughtRam. And I do Angular since um, a lot of years now. So uh, I was joining the Angular community um, when it was zero dot something. And uh, I also moved on to Angular 2, so I'm doing a lot of stuff there. Um, we I thought we'd do trainings on Angular, which is why we are here at this Angular Air episode today. And um, yeah, I also write a lot of articles on Angular 2 and, and hope that someone out there uh, finds these articles useful or something, which kind of, it, it seemed to, to work out somehow. What about you, Christoph? Hello. So yeah, I'm Christoph, and um, I'm I'm running this this I'm the second part of uh, ThoughtRam. So I'm running this company with uh, Pascal. Um, also doing Angular stuff. Uh, been been doing it since 2010 or so, I think, and now jumped on to to Angular 2, and also uh, helping out with uh, the the documentation um, of Angular 2. And um, yeah, beside Angular stuff, I'm 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 a language um, nerd. I, I love learning other languages and looking at uh, new stuff like languages like Rust and other uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Now, I thought it was interesting before the show, you guys were starting to talk about some of the origins of ThoughtRam. Uh, Pascal, can you kind of relay like the shortened version of that, of uh, how the company came about? Totally, totally. It all, it all started very romantically. Um, you know, at a candlelight dinner in a sushi bar uh, with Christoph. <laughs> no, so actually, um, Christoph started here in Hanover, Germany, the uh, JS uh, user group, the Hanover JS user group. So that was his um, first effort on doing some community work here. Um, during that time, I was actually not living here. I came from somewhere else, and I saw that event, and I asked him to join there and maybe even give a talk. And so I came to Hanover. I gave a talk at this event, and we became friends. And um, 
and then at some point I moved here, I gave some more talks, and every now and then Christoph basically said, you know, maybe someday we can even do something like workshops or something, um, like something that goes beyond those those meetups. And we always said, yeah, yeah, we can we can do that someday, but we never really came together on that one, and we both had our jobs and. Uh, yeah, so it was something that we've always wanted to do, like years ago, but we never really, we never really started on that one. And then, um, the uh, like last year, or actually the the day before, uh, the the year before that year, we we actually at some some day we we sat together uh, when we had lunch, and we said we talked about that, and we said you know. We can actually we can try that out. Let's just start with something. Let's do some workshop on. Uh, let's start with Git. You know, we do trainings in Git as well, and that's basically what we um, started off with. And uh, <clears throat> so yeah, um, we then yeah talked about it. Like, what? How do we want to start? If if there's even interest at all or not. And then we uh, basically we reached out to GitHub and we asked them if they would be interested in sponsoring such a training and, and then at some point we basically made our first training um, with like seven attendees and that was already huge here in Hanover. And, uh, and that was just Git but we knew that at some point we also want to do Angular trainings because um, back in that day, back in those days we already did some Angular work and um, it took us, I don't know, about let's say Three months or so until we actually announced officially that we're that we're doing Angular training. So the thing is that we both had a full-time job and we we were doing that thing next to our full-time job. And it was actually just a project. We didn't even think about making an actual company and starting to actually you know making money with it and and live from it. Um, we just you know wanted to wanted to do something that goes beyond meetups. And it just turned out to work out somehow. And the fact that you can actually earn money with it is a nice side effect. So, and after we, um, uh, yeah, announced that we'll do ang Angular trainings, we basically got tons of requests, and we had a lot of uh, trainings settled. And then, uh, yeah, we we also had to decide at some point what we want to do because we spent a lot of time um, working on our material. We had to take holidays to actually do workshops because we had that full-time job and uh, yeah that was so, like sort of the the the, the start of, of ThoughtRam. How did you come up with the name? Oh the name that's interesting so um, it was actually we were just yeah I think we were just kind of brainstorming and we both knew it has to have something with it has to have something to do with um, with like Teaching, like something that is somehow related to teaching or to and you're like you're like ramming it down people's throats. Was that the sort of this idea? is actually this is very funny because that's what a lot of people think, and that was not our original in, in, intention on that one. So uh, we should look up the original. We we should look up the ticket. That's actually a GitHub ticket that's that reads uh, "Find a nice company name." So we we were iterating through all this on on on, on <laughs> GitHub actually and. Um, so yeah, this this RAM thing. Many people think it it, it is about a, a RAM block a block that you you hammer something into people. That's totally not our intention. <laughs> so it was really inspired from from the memory and having I don't know like having thoughts 
in memory or something like that. And it kind of sounded cool, and um, it, it also made for a nice logo. So, yeah, we, we set up with that. I think it's also nice that it, you know, it, it kind of... This is just what, what we thought. That was, that was basically our idea about that. But there is, as you can see, obviously, th there is room for interpretation. So people really come up with different ideas on what this name could mean or what is the idea behind that name. And I, we actually like that. Um, we, we, we had another, we had a different idea or, or originally, but people, yeah, they, they interpret it differently. And, and that's actually, actually cool. <laughs> I actually saw that all the good um, names were taken. Yeah, I, I thought that it was the contraction of uh, certain tram, uh, like the train of those. But no, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so um, let's talk about your overall philosophy uh, about teaching. Um, you told us why you decided to teach, but um, what is your approach to teaching? How do you, um, how do you ab abort a new subject and try to find a way to, to teach it to new people, to people who are new to this subject? So, yeah, we actually, um, this, this is something that we also think through quite a lot, like um, we, we, especially now that we are preparing material for Angular 2, we are actually um, constantly discussing, like, which would be the right order um, to, to make people learn things, and um, this, is, this is often a, a ping-pong game between uh, Pascal and me, and... Um, uh, we, we try to find the things that, that we think are important um, for people to actually get up to speed to build applications. Um, because obviously, um, <clears throat> we can't cover everything right from the start. And the, the situation with Angular 2 now is totally different from the situation with Angular 1, where Pascal and I um, have like years of experience with Angular 1 of us has years of experience with Angular 2, and I mean, like even the core team is, uh, in in a way, uh, beginners with Angular 2. So yeah, we try to to, to um, find the the things that are most important, and um, um, then um, find good ways to to teach them. And our approach is to um, do a lot of um, hands-on with um, the audience. So um, we we kind of iterate through um, theoretical um, um, uh, theoretical um, so, so we, we teach them with uh, slides uh, concepts um, in, in Angular 2 and um, then show them a little bit directly in, in, a, in a live plan um, how things work and then have people um, do it um, themselves yeah, to start um, um, applying their, their new knowledge in exercises. And this is also what keeps the job quite um, uh, lively. So um, you, you don't sit there and just stare at us and, and, and um, hang on our lips forever, and this would make people totally fall asleep. Um, so, yeah, we, we iterate through this uh, theoretical and uh, life part with them. Maybe, Pascal, you want to um, add some of your own uh, opinions about that. Well, I think I think that was already my opinion because my my opinions <laughs> are yours. <laughs> um, the only thing I can add is that um, so we have this this general um, you know this this general requirement that we we want to make sure that 
the like the, the way we deliver our content is high quality and also the, the content itself has to be high quality. Like we, we want to always deliver high quality content. That doesn't mean it has to be like the best of the best. It means that we give you what we what we can give you, whatever that means. But the stuff that you get from us, that should be high quality and considering best practices and everything. And um, and that's also especially why we put a lot of time like tons of time into figuring out what works best when, when it comes to teaching. Um, so as, as Crystal said, we have those theoretical sessions and then we have some interactive sessions where, you know, people ask questions and then we show some demos and then, you know, these kind of things. And then they do these exercises and you can totally just do that. But it turned out that there's, that there's actually a lot more that comes into play. Um, you have to consider you know things like how deep do you actually want to do you actually want to you know go into like a certain topic you want to at some point you want to deliver something that is at some point um also more advanced like you know the the training that we do we call it master class we have the angular master class we have the angular 2 master class not to confuse with Angular class, um, although they're probably master too. But you know, we, we also have to decide what is the um, like how deep can we go that we actually do some advanced stuff without going too deep and spending too much time on it so that we can't actually cover other topics. You know, you you wanna you wanna cover a lot of stuff during a certain amount of time. Um, you wanna show them advanced things, but it always comes with a cost. You either go super deep or you go, um, you know, you show super, like, as many topics as possible, but then only on a high level. And it's hard to find out what works best and what actually makes sense to the user, especially considering the amount of time that you have available. Like, when it's a two-day class, those variables are totally different. If you have a one-day, like, a single-day class, then they're, again, different. Like, you know, it really depends on so many things, what you want to do, what time you have, um, you know, how the content is kind of put together. And I think we really spend a lot of time and energy on that, and especially with the Angular 2 Masterclass, like the, the new edition, um, it, it is even, it was even more, more work and more thoughts that we had to put together. And we're actually trying out something new in the Angular 2 Masterclass. We're trying, we're trying out a different a different format, and it turned out to it turned out to be actually to work out quite well. What's this new format? Sorry, what can you can you repeat? What that? is this new format? So, so generally, what what we did at the Angular Masterclass is that we have um, basically slide decks for different topics. Like each topic is like a certain module, and then you know we go through this cycle of theoretical session and then into action and then exercise. But it turned out, for example, that when you cover different topics, um, you can prepare exercises for it and then let the people do those exercises. And, you know, when you make it, in, in some way, those exercises are always somehow isolated. Like, you know, you have a certain, let's say you have a topic promises. You can totally prepare something on promises and then you can prepare exercises on the topic um, whatever, um, creating services, whatever, you know. And then um, this works, but of course it would be way nicer if people would actually build an entire application throughout training, um, which is something that we wanted to do uh, 
at the first place. But then it turned out that it's actually not easy to find out what application you can build that will actually cover all these use cases that you want to do in your exercises. It turned out that this doesn't work out. Like we, we tried a lot of things and you have no idea. We like we went back and forth. And then so we decided to just do isolated exercises. And some people say, Actually, a lot of people said that uh, after our training, they they really liked it, that they had these isolated small exercises. But then, of course, you also have people that say, yeah, you know, actually, I would like to have this kind of big picture. I want to see how all these things fit together when you build an entire application. And so it's super hard to actually satisfy everyone perfectly. Um, in the Angular 2 Masterclass, Again, we sat down and then we, we thought about it and we decided to try it out in a way, like we, we do it differently. We try out both worlds. We do, on one hand, we do this tutorial kind of thing, which is you build an application at the first day. And at the second day, we go deep into certain topics. So the first day already touches on a lot of topics and then the second day kind of deepens those those topics. And this is... It feels fresh. It's something. It's something different. It comes also with a different setups uh, with our repositories and how we manage branches and and these kind of things. Um, but yeah, currently it, it it seems to work and it also scales and and that seems to be a good thing because there's tons of stuff to cover for Angular too. One one thing I'm curious about. <clears throat> so it seems like you guys try to make adjustments based off of the given situation. You know how much time you have and what your class consistency makes up is made of, but I just from my own experience in trying to teach subjects to different companies and whatnot, like it can be hard. Like you're you're thrown into these you don't know the people a lot of times ahead of time, you know, what sort of motivations they have. And uh, I'm curious whether you guys have run into like some difficult situations. Like just as an as an example, someone who um, just gets frustrated because they're like a COBOL developer. <laughs> And they're getting their, their uh, you know, managers telling them to go in and learn Angular, and you're trying to teach him, and he's just pissed that he's there, and he's frustrated he can't learn fast enough. Like I've seen that a lot personally when I've tried to do this type of stuff. So I, I, I gotta imagine you guys have run into some things like that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned it. Um, actually, we haven't had such, uh, such people for, for a long time now, but we used to have them a lot. <laughs> so we, we, all, we always used to have like at least one, um, one guy who was, I don't know, doing Java for all of his life. And I don't know, like being, being sent from his company. So now he should do all this new fancy web stuff. And JavaScript isn't a, isn't a proper language anyway, and it uh, all seems to be such a waste of time. And yeah, we 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 had these people. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we we totally had these people too. But um, uh, usually it it wasn't just it wasn't like a huge huge distraction. Um, so it, it it turned out quite quite well. Um, but for me the uh, 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 what was really interesting with with all this these uh, different people at different workshops um, is the to, to get to know about all those different contexts in which um, they apply angular they from a different uh, angle like for instance we we've been at a, at a big uh, car maker um, and they they were using angular for embedded systems in a car you know like in, in the for the multimedia uh, things in in the car, 
and they have like totally different um, questions. They are questioning uh, um, the garbage collection pressure and and and, and really like nitty gritty detailed stuff. Um, and um, so this is something that is for me really exciting to to see people applying Angular in lots of different scenarios and and how to um, how to best help help them. Yeah. So. Oh. So, like, um, have you guys reached a point where you talk about, or where someone joins a, in the course and then you start talking about TypeScript and then you show them classes and then their eyes light up? They're like, oh, like, I know this, right? And then, and then like, um, maybe they'll do an example and then they start introducing a ton of, like, OOP, like, patterns and creating new instances of everything. Um, have you guys, like, ran into that, that person yet? Mm. Um, not really. So we, um, in fact, we started uh, using TypeScript in our in our trainings uh, with the Angular 2 Masterclass, and the first one we've done um, like a couple of days ago in Berlin. And so I can only tell what happened during that training. And so we had, um, in fact, we had from the around 30 attendees, there were a couple of attendees that actually haven't done any Angular before, and uh, also very, very little front-end development. And so they started off with some sort of TypeScript code that we, that we had in our exercises. And so once we got our feedback uh, after the training, um, those people actually said that they had a very, very good time um, following that training and also building that application because of TypeScript. Because they are, you know, they sort of, they came from, you know, from languages like .NET or, or Java or whatever. And, and, um, and, you know, it really is, it's like what you said. It, it, feels, it feels familiar to them. It, it is familiar to, to them. And then um, they, yeah, they really had, like, a great time following that stuff. And they, they it was easy for them to, to understand things. And on top of that, um, you know, when you when you use something like TypeScript, you, you can take advantage of of different tooling. Like you have you know different editors and, and IDEs, uh, like you know Visual Studio Code, for example. Um, turned out to be an editor that that does a lot of work for you, and um, so people were actually really appreciating appreciating that um, that they could do that, that they don't have to write JavaScript. <laughs> um. I have a two-part questions for you. How many workshops do you do? Uh, is it once a week, once a month? Um, did you used to teach the same thing over and over to new people? So we, we, we kind of got a little bit tired about this Angular 1 stuff at some point. So we are super, super happy that we, we, we started now with Angular 2 workshops. I mean, we're still running workshops on Angular 1. If we get asked, uh, we, we, we do, do in-house and stuff on, on Angular 1, um, for sure. But um, now our heart also moved on to Angular 2, so we are excited about the new stuff. Um, I'm so actually how many work three already. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so how many workshops do we give? Um, I would say it's... Um, we give like maybe um, three workshops uh, per month, so this, this would be um, uh, workshops uh, with uh, um, like normally uh, two or a maximum of three days per workshop, 
And we also do other stuff. Yeah, we do stuff like uh, code reviews, and um, obviously we also want to have um, time for for other things, uh, other open source projects uh, that we work on. As Pascal briefly mentioned when um, um, when when he introduced our story, um, our main motivation is, is actually not to not to get rich. Um, it's um, to um, do the stuff that we like, and and we we love to work on on open source and um, all our pet projects. So it's um, it's also something that is for us uh, that that also consumes our time. All right, I want to get into a little bit of some of the specifics for the stuff you you teach and, and learning Angular One versus Angular Two. I think most people who are listening are very familiar with Angular 1 and maybe just starting to get into Angular 2. So I thought it would be good to maybe compare and contrast a little bit um, for some of the different aspects. You know, starting off with, what did you guys find when you were doing Angular 1 training? What was the hardest thing for people to grok, to, like, to get within the framework um, for people, new people coming in versus now with Angular 2, how has that changed? What's what's the, the hardest thing that uh, people are having a tough time with? So um, with Angular 1, I think the, um, the, the, like the topics that the, the people mostly struggled with uh, were um, understanding what providers are, how they work, and, and why you why you need them or or maybe not um, you know we 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 always explain what providers are and and because we need them at, at later topics but at the point we explain them it's not super obvious um, you know why why you want to why you want to have them you mean the whole factory service provider thing well not yeah so not, not those not those uh, higher level apis so but really creating a provider i mean you know like a factory and a service also creates a provider under the hood, but you know you can you can actually build your own provider with its own APIs, and uh, sometimes you need it, and and mostly actually like most of the time you don't need it, but it's it's important like in my opinion at least it's important to understand what providers are, what they do, and what role they play in, in the you know in this dependency injection system. So you know, so you can take advantage of things like raw provider and HTTP provider and these kind of things. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is clearly uh, directives, but not just building simple directives um, like template directives or you know some attribute directives. Uh, where people really start to struggle with is when it comes to directive communication using directive controllers. This is also the Pretty much the last exercise in our Angular masterclass, where people have to build something where directives communicate, and uh, yeah, it's. I think sometimes it's pretty much in their face <laughs> at the point when when we explain it. Uh, so that's that turned out to be like a very very tricky one. Um, as for Angular two, I don't know, Christoph, you want to take on that one? Uh, actually, I wanted to ex to, to expand. That like for directives in Angular One, especially I think that people had like tons of different options. I mean, if you just look at the directive definition object, it it can totally scare people away. And then you have like all these different kind of uh, hooks like prelink and postlink and controller and 
actually should we use uh, controller in favor of link but then there's this uh, situation where you can't use controller and you have to reach for link and like this this kind of stuff is is just heavy for newcomers um, to to understand and so I think this got much much uh, easier with um, angular 2. Uh, with Angular 2, um, I mean, obviously, we are we are just uh, in, in, in the beginning here, uh, also in the beginning of um, getting feedback from, from our audience. I think one topic that um, still um, remains to be um, tricky to understand for many people is the role of dependency injection. So, for instance, there is always, there are always people wondering why do we need di at all if I can just write my import statement? So if it, I'm, I'm already importing the thing. Why do I need di? Why do I need to uh, feed something to Bootstrap and, uh, and all this? So this, this seems to be quite tricky to, to understand the difference of um, importing a type and, and actually um, getting instances and having something that manage instances for us. Um, and I think another another topic that that turns out um, to be um, such a mind shift, even for me when I'm, I'm like preparing um, exercises, um, is like thinking in components. Uh, thinking in components is like a totally different beast from from Angular One, where you could just have your your template and um, have like you have your free template and attach a controller and. You, you were like more more free, um, and you totally have to, to think a little bit different in Angular 2. So I, th I think those two things are actually like most challenging that I see for now. I would like to add that you know th there's another another topic that somehow like sometimes it doesn't it doesn't super intuitive um, the the new component router it is you know. The router is still in a like in a sort of you know in a phase where it's still a little bit redesigned. So like most of the APIs are, are probably not stable yet. So um, this is probably going to ho hopefully better uh, and not and not worse. Um, but you know it, like you know the the due to the fact that Angular 2 is entirely component based and that you always build up a component tree, um, the like the the whole idea of of routing and how routing works is is also super different like you define routes at a certain component for its child components and you know it's not easy to just say i have this child component right here and it introduces some new routes to the entire application um, it it somehow you know, it, it works in some way, but it's not the way you probably you probably um, yeah would expect it to be. So yeah, I think this is also something where where you know people have to start just you know kind of taking it as it is, and then later on exploring why the things are the way they are. Um, I think I could also move on with observables as a new API abstraction that might add some new complexity to the table. Um, to some scenarios, but yeah, there there are many things. Um, so yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting with some of the things you brought up. It seems like when you are creating an application, there is sort of a difference in your reaction to how a framework, um, how difficult it is to learn based off of like what you're trying to do. I feel like sometimes if you are doing like a simple application, and you're not, sometimes you don't need routing. Sometimes you don't 
need to create custom directives and that type of thing. I've always felt that like Angular 1 is really good with that, right? Because like you don't have to know all that stuff and yeah, you might have some performance issues if you like tried to like scale it out, but um, it's a lot easier to get started. Whereas like with Angular 2, you do have to like, it seems like learn a little bit more upfront, but then it's easier to scale later. Have you guys like found that same type of thing? I'm under the impression that um, in Angular 2, the basics are really smaller than in Angular 1. And the options of advanced stuff, such as um, uh, triggering detection and stuff like that, are really harder in Angular 2 than in Angular 1, uh, because you have the options to do that. I don't know. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily, um, that it's necessarily more, more, more hard, like more difficult to do, or um, you know, it's so APIs in Angular two are just different, right? So co concepts are more or less the same. Like there, there are new concepts, but there are also some old con uh, concepts. But there are tons of new APIs that you have to learn. I think that's that's like the thing that that adds the the complexity. Um, you don't need all those APIs always. Um, you can uh, you can actually most of the time just start off with like a, like a super duper subset of all of these APIs. But um, I actually think that especially when it comes to more advanced things, whatever advanced means in that case. But you know, for example, asking for um, the change detector and then manually um, disable it for a component and then re-enable it again, like these kind of things, that sort of, it feels actually way easier. I don't even think there's an option to do that really in Angular 1, but um, it, you know, Angular 2 is just different. There are, you know, different ideas that actually enable new things that, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say they're more, more complex necessarily, but they're, they're new. You have to learn them. So how, how do you teach NG4? Because like whenever whenever I do that, there's like five concepts that have to go over, and then whenever they introduce like the the semicolon for index, then it's like oh now you have twenty concepts to go over. Like how do you go about? Uh, do you just do you just give them like uh, something? Do you just give like a brief overview and say like oh yeah it just works magic just deal with magic or how far deep do you go with that? Uh, so okay, I can I can take this one. Oh, Chris, if you wanna. Um yeah sorry it was the the. The sound was just uh, jittering, um, so I, I I didn't get the rest, but uh, I got the beginning. So um, so how do we teach uh, ng ng4? Yeah. So um, it's it's a question that we also um, iterated over, um, and uh, we 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 set up with um, that we first day um, we would just um, we would just uh, show them the the minimal. Um, Behind the scenes magic that they need to know to actually work with it. So um, we we show them the syntax. We tell them that um, the the asterisk is um, is, um, is a sign that this is a, a directive that makes uh, structural changes and um, that this is uh, actually um, uh, a shorter syntax, a shorthand syntax that translates into um, into into different syntax and um, we. We show those concepts. Um, um, tell them, tell them a little bit the, the, the story behind this. And um, but we don't go, 
we don't want to distract while they are building their very first application. Yeah? Because on, on, on the first day, um, we, are, we are building up a, yeah, a, a, simple, a simple application in, I think, uh, 10 or 11 steps. I think 11 steps. Um, and at each step, we just try to teach them enough to, yeah, actually um, get forward and not get distracted. And then on the second day, uh, we would have um, a session that um, that goes um, more into all the syntax things. So the same goes with um, the uh, the bracket syntax, for instance. We um, we do teach them that um, we are writing to properties and how this is a good thing and enables to work with web components and um, the difference between attributes and properties. But we, we try to, to keep it focused so that they don't get distracted for the, actually, for the actual task of um, um, yeah, going forward with this demo application that they are building on the first day. Okay. And... Uh just try, jump into a slightly different area. Um, you know, one of the th other things you guys are involved in a lot more than just you know training, like you had mentioned earlier in the show. You guys uh, write blog posts. They're actually really great blog posts, uh, I might add. Uh, speak at conferences, contribute to Angular Core. So, how do you kind of uh, how do you do it all? Like, how do you manage? Uh, what What does your week look like um, in terms of like how you balance all of those different things? That's actually a good question because, in fact, this has changed since the beginning of 2016, at least for me. <laughs> so um, I think the uh, like the, the last um, couple of months. In 2015, I kind of turned into a, like in a into like something like a you know like like a workaholic. You know, I you know I, I, I worked on stuff during the day and then and at night I wrote some articles and then I did this and then I did that and it's you know since we are doing um, ThoughtRam full time, we actually have time for this because. Um, yeah, we don't have another full-time job. We can just do whatever we like to do as long as we somehow get some money that we can live from it. It's it's all right. So um, yeah, we we work on the Angular 2 documentation with um, some other folks, and it's not that we have to, you know, like that we're working on this um, nine to five. But you know, we we kind of reserve some time in the week for working on that, and then probably each of us is getting the task of writing a chapter, a new chapter. And then um, actually, we are super free um, how we want to expand on that. Like if we want to work three, four, five days on that, then we can totally do that. It really depends on what we have to do. Like maybe we have to run another training or whatever. Um, then we obviously don't have time for that. But other than that, um, writing articles is, is something that, for me personally at least, something that always works. Like when there's a topic that I'm excited about to learn, then I dive into that topic, and then um, I want to write down my learnings. And, and you know, hopefully that someone else out there find it, finds it useful as well. 
And it often takes, in fact, a couple of hours to write such an article, like four or five hours. Um, but but usually that's something I personally at least can always do. Like I can I can start with that at ten at night and then you know continue working on that until it's done, and I'm not exhausted then or anything. It's it's fun to do that. Um, yeah, and speaking at conferences, preparing talks. Sure, when you have to prepare a new talk, then you have to you have to take time to prepare it. And currently, I'm actually in fact in that kind in, in that kind of situation because in two weeks there's there's NGNL and I'm giving a talk on on change detection in Angular too, and I I have to prepare that talk. So I'm reading a lot of source code currently, um, a lot of tests, and trying to put my slides together and yeah doing that sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what it looks like, for me at least. Um, how is it for you guys to be what we can call digital nomads? Uh, you, you move a lot from countries to countries to do the workshops, to do the conference, and how is it up for you? Um, yeah, how do you live with it? Um, so yeah, speaking for myself, uh, I, I, I totally love it. So. Um, so this is something that I, I I think we are like 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 in this in this whole industry yeah we are like super pr privileged to actually be able to to even do that yeah I mean we are not like um, we don't need like super big machines in, in in some kind of hall that that we need to work on yeah and um, <clears throat> so the the fact that we just need our um, our laptop and the internet connection yeah. Uh, to 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 work. Um, I've I've actually I've been I've been longing to to enable like m traveling more um, since I since I started working in, in in this field and and now with ThoughtRam we actually really have the opportunity to to do this. Yeah, and um, currently we yeah we have an extreme amount of uh, of traveling. It's um <clears throat> it's usually shorter trips. Um, so we 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 often um, yeah just just stay at um, at some place for for three or four days maybe. Um, but yeah, we can like we, we we can actually mix up uh, holidays and uh, and and work. Yeah, like I think in two weeks I'm I'm going to uh, to Amsterdam for for uh, NGNL. And I'm I'm actually expanding for for five days of holidays. So I I rented a, a houseboat in in the canals of Amsterdam, which is which are beautiful. Um, so and yeah, obviously we can we can work from there. We can uh, work on our material, the exercises, the slide decks. Um, prepare That's awesome. You, you, guys, you guys are uh, clearly not like married or have kids, kids or whatever, right? Oh, oh! I, I totally have a kid. Um, yeah. Oh wow. Um, this is yeah, yeah. I know, I know. So uh, my 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 private background is actually that I, I I am I'm a separated father. So I have my I have my child. I have a, a daughter of three and a half years, and actually I have her um, like um, fifty percent of the time. So um, so I this is why we do oh, <clears throat> sorry uh, lots of uh, short trips. Um, so it's often for me that I'm actually heading right from the the airport to the kindergarten to to get my daughter. Um, so this can be it can be stressful, yeah. But on the other hand, I mean it enables uh, 
such a um, adventurous life for me. So um, yeah, it's 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 okay, and I I also love to travel a lot with my daughter actually. So um, yeah, for me that's a totally positive side effect of of this uh, thoughtram thing. What about you, Pascal? I like to travel. I like to travel a lot. Um, although uh, th the less time you can spend um, in a you know in a country or in a certain city, um, you know the, the the less nice it is. Uh, so it's it's always better if we can spend more time at a certain place, but yeah, um, it it doesn't always work out. Uh, but in general, it's yeah, it's we we can do what we want to do. Like we want to see the world. We want to meet a lot of new and different people. We want to work with them. And uh, I mean, I don't know. We we made so many so many friends um, with what we're doing. Like, you know, I mean, I know you, Olivier, um, you know, I, I met you, like, two years ago or something, and, uh, and, and there are, like, so many other people out there um, that we only met because of what we're doing, and they're always super helpful, and, and they, yeah, it's, that's actually, like, the biggest value, um, you know, right after seeing so many different places, uh, like, all these nice people that you get in touch with. So I, I enjoy it. Yeah, seeing the pictures of Thailand um, on your Facebook <laughs> really <laughs> makes it worse, I think. Right. Yeah, that, uh, that was totally fun. We, we, we ran this workshop in, in Bangkok, and this was actually, it was a, it was a free uh, training day, so it was one day of, of, of training, free for, for everyone. And um, it was so exciting to see, like, all those different peoples, like we had people from the United Nations in our workshop, which is like wow. super cool, I think. Um, seeing like, again, like seeing where Angular stuff is actually applied in real world and um, yeah, then uh, <clears throat> working with all those peoples. And yeah, again, we actually, I think in at, at around that time in, in Thailand, we actually really made like real holiday, we we didn't really work much on stuff when we were in Thailand. But uh, I've been I've been in Thailand before, actually in the same year before, because my my, my brother lives in Thailand, so I've I've been there more often. And I remember that, for instance, I was on, um I was commuting, I had a long uh, a bus commute, and I was um, preparing a, a a conference workshop while in the bus, and I didn't need internet connection for that. Um, so I had it all in my mind, and you can just yeah use the time and um, prepare um, some some stuff. So that's that's really nice in our in our industry. Um, I have a couple of questions, but I think I'm gonna just ask one. Uh, how long did it take for Sostram to be um, able to pay for both of your full time? So technically. Um, so I think uh, at this at this particular point of time, I'm actually the only one that is getting paid. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're really not super rich. Um, th there's not like tons of money. Um, there, there's enough that we that that I can get some some money to live, and and we actually have to uh, change that now. Um, so Christoph can live too. Um, so I don't know. It, it took us about a year or something, uh, you know, right on time 
when we started full time. I don't know, Christoph, uh, if you wanna. Yeah, so it's 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 funny um, because like people um, yeah people people are following Thorium maybe for for longer now, but um, I mean like we started in two thousand fourteen to actually uh, yeah do our first workshops and, and and blog and all this kind of stuff. But as Pascal said, we actually dropped out of our, our full-time jobs um, uh, in 2015 in September. So until then, we were actually having our, our full-time jobs and and close to full salaries because at, at, at some point in, in um, somewhere in spring in 2015, we actually they, they lowered our salary a little bit so that we could have more time to, to work on ThoughtRam. But yeah, we still have had, had our salaries, and then um, yeah, actually um, we we started to um, to pay uh, for Pascal um, when um, in, in in September last year, and I still had yeah I, I still had different money, so I'm 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 actually getting my first salary next month, um, so <laughs> which is um, yeah <laughs> quite quite a milestone. That's pretty awesome, you guys are. You guys are doing it for the love of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, this will be like actually, actually, like like money-wise, 2016 will be probably um, more interesting for ourselves because we are actually not able at this point to to uh, exactly tell you how it will all turn out. Um, but somewhere in 2016, uh, Thorium actually has to pay for both of us, and we will then see how this um, uh, turns out. But I think. Actually, uh, it, it will turn out quite okay. <laughs> I, I I don't know about you, but I, I really I I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me I'm too. praying. I'm praying each each day before <laughs> I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Let there be workshops. Let there be workshops. <laughs> you, you guys can see, they're watching on uh, YouTube right now. You can see behind me the WeWorks on Do What You Love. I I think that sort of signifies you guys very well. And from what pretty I'm much, hearing. pretty much. So, yeah. Uh, we're getting near the end of our time. I have two quick questions, one for each of you guys, and then we got it. we're going to shoot through um, the uh, Twitter questions as well and sort of a quick fire round here. So um, for each of you guys, uh, first, actually, Pascal, with you, there was a discussion thread that you, myself, and Mayor Christensen had a couple weeks ago, and I would be interested in getting your kind of like a quick thought from you on basically – DI and functional programming. Basically, uh, Merrick was who used to be the biggest DI fan around. Um, was basically saying that now that he's like full functional programming, that he doesn't see the need for DI, which the values being like testability and and that type of thing. Uh, what are your thoughts for people that might think that way? Of like uh, that, if you do pure functional programming, there's no need for DI. Yeah. So um, I. I think I like once you know when we had this discussion on Twitter, and uh, I was actually I, I think I asked him to give like sort of example what that would look like when like how do you do testing without DI then? Um, and I didn't think there was an answer on that one. So I read I read on I think it was the React documentation or something, and I'm totally new to this topic. Like I'm not into functional programming at all. Um, I saw some talks also on Redux and these kind of things to like get a bit of idea of of you know how that works, and it kind of it it made click a little bit like when these components that you write in React for example those are 
after all, are just these, you know, more or less these render functions, and you put some stuff in, and, and you always get the same stuff out uh, when you put the same stuff in. So, um, so there are, in fact, no, no side effects, um, which made sense to me, but I'm, I'm still actually waiting for, like, I, I want to see what that looks like. Like, how do you write tests without DI? So I, I think I can understand, or I can... I, I wouldn't definitely not. I would definitely not disagree with that. Like I'm, I'm sure it, it works, and and uh, it's it's probably even the way to go in function programming. But I'm not um, super familiar with that. So I would actually be interested to see how that works. Like if if there's anyone out there seeing this right now, and you want to show me how you test your components in React, um, please reach out. I, I'm I'm super interested in that. We are going to have a future show that's focused on kind of functional programming. I have that kind of in the works, and uh, this will be one of the topics we talk about there for sure. Sweet. Um, Christoph, really quick. So <clears throat> there are, uh, with React, uh, you mentioned React, a lot of people that um, you know were working on Angular 1 that kind of moved to React because of some of the new paradigms, which have now been brought into Angular 2. Uh, for the most part. Do you think that uh, based off of what you're seeing with people learning Angular 2 and, and uh, kind of the developers that you guys work with, that we'll see React developers that switch back, basically? Or do you think that basically now it's just even and people will do whatever is most suited towards them? I, I, I guess so, yeah. I guess there will be at least uh, lots of people from, from the React community, also different communities, um, looking um, at Angular 2 and, and, and um, paying close attention. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think the, the, the more we see uh, what Angular 2 actually looks like and how it feels like to program with it, um, people are realizing that this is really uh, a very nice approach, um, very well thought out. Um, and for instance, I mean, you can totally, um, like this, this new observable stuff, um, and this deeply integrated <coughs> observable stuff also en enables um, us to, to apply like this, this Redux architecture in a way in, in, in Angular 2 as well. And maybe we will even um, uh, create a, a session in our workshop on that and then show people how they can actually apply Redux architecture in, in Angular 2. I find this, this topic quite, uh, quite fascinating. So yeah, I, I, I totally think there will be people coming over from uh, React and also different communities um, to, to Angular 2, yeah. I think so. Okay. okay, let's jump into the Twitter questions with the last couple of minutes we have here. A uh, bunch of good questions that people have posted. Starting off with, I am going to paraphrase here uh, something that uh, Jons uh, had posted, that basically uh, he's concerned, like he, he's a teacher, I guess, and he's concerned about the tooling with Angular 2, that with this new world of JavaScript includes a whole bunch of uh, additional tooling, Webpack, System.js, TypeScript, yada, yada, yada. How would you reassure people or like, you know, wh what do you tell people who are concerned about that with learning, you know, Angular 2? So first of all, I can say I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think it's like the, the biggest barrier that we have right now, like when, when you want to start with Angular 2, it seems like you have to learn tons of tools first. And I'm actually struggling with that myself. So that's why I personally, I focus on how to build things with Angular 2 and how to make things with Angular 2. So uh, I mainly use existing starter kits out there so I don't have to, 
I don't actually have to take care of building this whole build pipeline myself. Um, however, as soon as I would build something bigger for production, I probably wanna I probably wanna have my own custom build pipeline. So I, I you know, that would be the point where I would jump into that and, and try to figure out what um, what would be the best fit. Um, I lately tried Webpack and I actually I liked it, but I don't know. It's super hard to say. I would currently just focus on learning Angular 2 and then, you know, just use one of those starter kits out there, the one the one that you like the most, and then focus on learning that stuff. I would also like to add that, that this is a problem not, not exclusive to, to Angular 2. I mean, it's it's like this this whole web stack just got so um, complicated and, and so many uh, levels of abstractions, um, like with all those compiled to JS languages that we also want to use for different kind of reasons. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not just Angular 2 that, that needs a complicated setup, yeah? Okay. And then uh, Jürgen Vandemore asks, uh, are there... Are some of the challenges with Angular Translate, uh, the tra challenges with async in Angular Translate, are they easier to solve in Angular 2? I think I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with some of the challenges, so I, I know you used yeah. to work with Angular Translate, right, Pascal? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm also not entirely sure what challenges are specifically uh, the, the ones that, that he's mentioning right now, but um, so I think it, it is. It would be very similar because in Angular, in Angular Translate, we already use things like promises. We can totally use promises in Angular too as well. Um, although I would rather go with observables because you know it's just the the better abstraction, um, more powerful. And um, yeah, I, I think I think if if there would be like a version of Angular Translate in Angular two, and in fact Olivier is working on one, um, like at least something that goes into that direction, I think there would be rather different challenges, um, especially when it comes to building an actual third-party library for Angular 2. I think that would be more, more challenging currently um, instead of, you know, trying to solve the same problem, the same problems with a different uh, framework or, or different language. Okay. Oh, were you going to say something, Olivia? Oh, just that um, I wrote a basic implementation of Angular Translate in Angular 2, and it took me like, uh, I don't know, three or four hours. It was really easy to, to come up with with this. And yes, the, the hard part was uh, working on uh, how to write a library for Angular 2, uh, which is what I'm going to talk at NGNL in two weeks. So <laughs> you can watch that. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> uh, and then next question is, do you teach Angular 1 with TypeScript and components by forbidding the use of uh, sign $scope as much as possible in order to be NG2 ready? Um, yeah. So the, the first thing we do in the Angular masterclass is, like one of the first things uh, at least, is explaining what is the scope and then uh, immediately tell people to not try to rely on scope, but rather use things like control S and then work with that one. But we don't use uh, TypeScript for our Angular 1 uh, workshop. OK. Um, and then what's the current status of the Angular 2 documentation? Yeah, I, I was actually wondering this the other day, too, uh, as I was kind of looking through the docs, that there are some things where it's pretty good, but then there's still a lot of areas where it's kind of blank. Um, so what's the current status there, Pascal? So there, uh, there are 
many, many, many uh, things that people are working on right now. So we are working hard on a um, good strategy for the ES5 version of the documentation because currently most of the documentation out there is on TypeScript, like most of the examples and everything, um, which is also why like, some people struggle with, uh, starting, with, um, with starting with Angular 2 because there's no ES5 examples, actually, that they can start right away. Um, so that's one thing. Um, we, we try to find out a strategy on that one. And then we're also working on, like, um, like a cookbook kind of thing that has some, some uh, you know, some, you know, cookbook guide-like uh, guides, um, like a quick reference, Angular 1 versus Angular 2, and these kind of things. Um, so, in fact, there's a lot of stuff happening. But it takes time um, to get the content right, and uh, yeah, we, we're on it. Okay. Last Twitter question is uh, about unit testing. Basically, do you guys actually teach how to unit test, uh, and do you see that people pick that up, or uh, is it more something that <laughs> like probably happens regardless of what they do in the class, that they just kind of like toss to the side and never, never use it again? So with uh, unit testing, um, the, the, the way we do it in our workshop is that we have a dedicated session on that. We were thinking about this quite a lot. And, and I mean, we would really love to um, make the whole workshop the way that people write tests first and then implementation and all this kind of stuff. But it, it, it turns out that if, if, if you try to, to, to push too many things at once at people, then it will just hurt the experience. So this is at least what, what, what we feel. And um, so we, we make testing a dedicated session, and, and um, for, for the rest of these sessions, we, um, we focus on the we want to teach and try not to distract them with testing. So that's how we handle it. That makes sense. All right, uh, we're getting right at the end of the time, so let's get to the picks. Just a really quick uh, reminder that next week we're going to be uh, on site with Zach Dunn and Atticus White from Robin talking about the Internet of Things with Angular. All right, uh, starting off, Olivia, you want to give us your picks? Yes, um, I wanted to remind you guys that uh, the call for paper for ng-conf uh, is ending in 10 days. So if you want to submit something, it's time to do it uh, before it's too late. Um, Did you submit something? No, I need to do it, <laughs> which is why I, I so it's, it's a reminder to yourself. Yeah, also, <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of ideas, but I'm still thinking about it. Um, I wanted to say also that uh, Angular Connect is coming back this year. In September, and they opened the CFP as well. Um, I really hope that we will see you guys there uh, because we will be <laughs> definitely. Um, but it's it's in a long time, so we still have time for that. Uh, and a quick link uh, about read the source on Angular Two Web Workers, uh, which is uh, the topic on which Patrick was um, doing. Um, uh, video just before this show, and I think he left to, to finish that. So I will give you the link. It looks interesting. I don't know if it is, but it looks like that's it. Cool. Uh, I just have two quick picks. Uh, first, uh, Patrick just published 
the Angular Universal pre-renderer. Uh, so we, Patrick and I work on Angular Universal, which is the server rendering library for Angular 2. And we are starting to separate out and build out a number of different packages for different environments, different situations. So one of them, which you will most likely find useful um, in a number of different situations, is this uh, basically Gulp plugin that allows you to crawl through your Angular application and basically generate a bunch of static HTML. Um, so there's different use cases why you would use that. Um, but that is out there available right now, and I'll include a link in the show notes. It's called uh, Angular Universal Pre-Renderer. Is there and, documentation for that? Yeah, there's no documentation. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, we, we do have two people that are working on documentation. It's just taken, um, we're trying to get that in order right now. Eventually, we will get it up on Angular I.O. and everything. Um, but it takes some time. Um, and then the other pick is a great podcast I listened to the other day uh, called The 20-Minute VC. Uh, we're starting to look at investment opportunities, and um, it's been great listening to that. But one show in particular, the most re- one of the more recent ones with Jeff Siebert, who is a founder of a company called Crashlytics. If you worked on mobile development, you know what Crashlytics is. Uh, it is now... Uh, like second in command at Twitter after the reorg, like he's way high up there. A uh, really interesting guy. Highly recommend this podcast for anybody is who's a kind of of the entrepreneurial mindset. The twenty minute VC. Okay, uh, Pascal, why don't you go next? Um, sure. So, since since uh, Olivier mentioned some conferences, um, I, I I saw that there is another Angular conference happening in Europe. Uh, in Belgium. So there are some very, very nice people organizing that stuff. Um, in fact, they're currently building up a team, like a core team, to organize that conference. And um, so you should watch out for that one. If you're interested in, I don't know, helping out or, I don't know, do whatever, um, let me know and maybe I can, I, not maybe, actually I can I can get you in, in touch with those, with those people. When um, is that going to be? Uh, I, I don't think they have a they have a date set yet, but it's probably it probably be around I don't know November yeah. December or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we should wait until they until they actually give an official announcement on that one. I I, I don't want to say anything wrong here. Just just keep in mind there is gonna be a conference in Belgium this year. And we can get you in touch with those people if you want to help out in some way. That's my first pick. And the second pick is, um, I hope that's okay. It's a bit of self-advertising. Um, we are, announced, are you going to steal my pick? Is it the Düsseldorf thing? No, that, that just, just keep going. I was just making fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, we, we announced our second Angular 2 Masterclass um, which is happening at the 8th and the at, until the 9th of March in Düsseldorf in Germany. And we started to sell early bird tickets. So if you want to be part of that great training experience, then join us. Uh, that would be awesome. That's it. Great. Christoph. Yeah, so actually uh, Pascal uh, already said it all. Um, so... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I've not, not not much to add there, um, except that maybe um, if if you want to join us for that workshop, um, you will um, experience like uh, totally new material that we actually didn't even start to to work on 
right now. So it, it's it's like brand new. You will be the first one to see it. Um, yeah. Uh, shameless uh, self-advertising, uh, <laughs> but I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> I have a pick for you um, at NGNL. <laughs> I think someone can be a lucky winner for some tickets for your workshop. Oh, yes, you are totally uh, right. Um, I'm not exactly sure um, how actually... Um, how it works? What, what's... What, yeah, how it works. I, I didn't look at it yet, but um, you surely know how it works, right? Yeah, sure. So all you have to do is to, it's not about yourself getting you to the conference. It's about getting someone else to the conference that you feel, um, you know, that person needs to get there because it's, it's you know, a benefit for that person. Um, so everyone out there, you can send a tweet mentioning someone who would you... Uh, like to have at the conference, or at least um, nominating to get a free ticket for one of the trainings happening one day before the conference. So you send a tweet with with a handle, a Twitter handle of that person, plus the NGNL conf handle, plus a hashtag called NGNL free ticket. I think it's called. So that's the way how you can someone else, how you can nominate someone else. Um, to get a free ticket for a training. Okay, it's Angular One, right? What is Angular One? Uh, the training. It's on Angular One or Angular Two? No, they're both on Angular Two. Oh, nice. <laughs> Angular One is so yesterday. <laughs> Someone want to nominate? <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, guys. We really enjoyed it, uh, and everyone, tune in next week. Have a great week. See ya. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you.